guys what's up it is matt welcome back and i'm here with mel's oh my god hey and today we have a special guest she is a fifth grade teacher and i actually met her through tiktok she actually reached out during the summer that she needed some help because you know teachers don't get funded and it's such a pain in the ass that a lot of it they pay for and they don't get paid for all their hard work so i did my part and i helped her out and i was like you know what let me use my platform and we she sent her amazon registry list for her class i put it up as a as my link and it cleared out all her stuff really so it was oh my so God. great so carla welcome to que pedo we are so uh, happy to have yay. you hi carla Hello. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's such a privilege. Oh my god. I, I felt I felt really special when you asked me to be here. Yeah. Well, I didn't know about the wish list. Why didn't you put my wish list up? Girl, I'll put it up. Oh my god. Uh, but yeah, so before we start, um we start with the quepedo, and since you are our special guest, we're gonna have you start. So let us know what is your quepedo. So the quepedo that I thought about today was, why do Central Americans point or gesture with their lips? Oh, like, oh, yep. yeah. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. And then we point with our lips. Um, I don't know. It was always a thing. Uh-huh. Where are you from, Carla? Oh, I'm yeah. from, um, my parents are from Honduras. Honduras. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Central American. I forgot to add that. But that's the surprise. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's a definitely a thing. Um, I don't know. My parents always you do, it, do it. I started doing it here and there. Yeah. It just, it's just a thing that it just becomes a thing. And I noticed that I was like, oh my God, I'm doing it now. <laughs> am I old? I am, I, am I like I my parents? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's yeah. funny. No, we don't do that. You guys don't do that. Many no, people. we don't do that. We just point. Or we like throw hands. I, yeah. We do that sometimes, but no, but we. But like that's like when they can't find it, and mm-hmm. we're like, yeah, and then no, and no, then, yeah. yeah. That, like, ours is it's their first resort for us. But I feel that's, like a lot of the time I've seen my family use it is to gesture towards something kind of secretively or like behind someone's back. Oh, that too. Yeah, like let's say you're at church and. Mm-hmm. You need you need something, and your mom's like, oh my God, like she would just point it with her lips without distracting it. Right, right. So, I don't know. We don't do that. We get pinched. <laughs> oh we yeah, pinched. we get pinched too. <laughs> sure. um, but that's a good one. Um, I'll go next. So yes, um, my cafezo, and maybe it's just me personally. Um, but why? Because as you know, Hispanic Heritage Month is starting already it's already the first week of hispanic heritage month and my thing is why is it called hispanic heritage month and not like you know latino latinx latina heritage month when it starts on the day where a lot of latin american countries gained their independence from spain meaning that we finally got rid of the colonizers out of our country despite them already leaving their trade. Um, but we're celebrating Spaniards as well. Yes. I don't know. It's just like a thing like, can we just have we a moment without this. colonizers? But 
We can go into this during like our interview yeah, portion. Yeah, but that's just my capello because it's but, like yes, that's a, we can say so it, much about that. Yeah, but I think it's also because it's it, it this. I don't even know when it first started, but again, it's so outdated. But yeah, that's just my thing. Sorry, Spanish uh, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you bring up a really good point um, with uh, Hispanic Heritage Month being that celebration of. Um, Hispanismo, and it's like, but wait, that's that was the whole point of that, you know, September 15th. The point was independence, so why did we stick and keep the name Hispanic? But yeah, Yeah. we'll get more into it, but that's just a thing to think about on this Hispanic hashtag Latino heritage. (laughs) Yes, um, in regards to school, because we're going to be talking about a lot of education in the Latino community. I wanted to say, why, when we talk about Latinos, Latinx, um, do we only talk about immigration? Yeah. Like, why is it when we're talking about immigration, is it that we just look at the Latinos in the classroom? Like, it's... And they look at us like, you guys are illegal. Like, like, no, well, not that, but more like, like, we're supposed to have the answers to this information. Right, and we don't. You know, when, right. when we don't talk about immigration with our fellow Asians or, mm-hmm. you know, like... Immigration comes from all sides of the world. Like, why is immigration a Latino topic only right. conversation, you know? Um, yeah, it's I was annoying. Thinking, I was thinking about that today as, like, why is it, you know, like you said, why do we focus so much of immigration um, on that imaginary southern border and not on Canada or any of the other Eurocentric uh, European countries? Yeah. Uh, and, and I thought about it. I was like... Quite frankly, it's because the, many of the people, you know, south of the border are are brown. They're indigenous, and they don't want indigeneity here. Yeah, and even and um, just to quickly be, add to that, even like in schools, we talk about that little portion of immigration, but we don't talk about the history of what happened to many um, Latino immigrants, which I actually talked about on my TikTok, and I actually just learned this this month, and I'm so upset that it took me till now to realize it's called it was called the bass riots of 1917 and it lasted all the way until the 60s and just a quick recap for those who don't know pretty much mainly mexican americans were targeted and mexican from Mm -hmm. mexico as well where if they wanted to cross the border to the u.s this was in el paso texas they had to literally be based in kerosene and vinegar baths because they were seen as dirty and disgusting because of stereotype. They were literally breathing these chemicals every eight days. And on top of that, they had to take an IQ test to see if can they speak the English language, which was so unfair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and it's like, why didn't we learn this? And then if you look at the New York side, they had Ellis Island, which was very talked about in history books about European immigrants and what they went through, which, yeah, they were faced with some discrimination, but they were still let in. I think, like, barely, like, 5% weren't compared to Mexicans who were the ones getting sprayed with chemicals. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and what's crazy is that some educators might counter that argument by saying that it's too graphic, but we've learned about the Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many. The, the, and, you know, yeah, and, that were put in, too. And also... Actually, the Holocaust was fully inspired by that riot. 
the United States were the first to use that chemical, that gas, that later Hitler and his scientists were like, we're going to use it and kill all these Jewish people. So obviously they didn't use it to kill Mexicans, but that was the exact chemical that even scientists, Hitler's scientists actually mapped out how they did it in El Paso, Texas. And were like, this is our inspiration. So that's why they don't talk about it. Yeah, there's there's so much that uh, gets thrown under the rug when we talk about um, Hispanics and Latinos and and immigration and Latinx issues, you know, and um, it really gets censored to okay. the point where it's like how much of it is 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 real. Yeah, you know, and now as an educator, I realize that the things that we teach. Are not exactly what's going on, you know? Like, I... We can go ahead and talk about this. But, like, something as simple as Paul Revere. hmm You know, we all know Paul Revere to be the one who's, like, goes on his horse and he says the redcoats are coming. You know? Right. That didn't happen. And all through elementary school, middle school, and high school, you're told that Paul Revere got in his coat on his, his horse, ran through the town, and was like, the redcoats are coming. Yeah. That didn't happen. Also, how much of the history is fabricated yeah. to just be what they want us to know? I would you know? say 99.9%. Especially yeah. since we're teaching to a test now. Yeah. You know, we're teaching to that standardized test. So we, we have to give them the answers to this test, which half of them aren't real. Like, have, there's all these things that are wrong. Right. Or no... Or just inaccurate. These things did happen, but they didn't happen like this. Yeah. You know, we sugarcoat, like, the California missions. Oh, yeah. You know, we glorify the California missions here in California. That's a whole lesson plan, you know? And and you build your mission, and and those who don't know, there's a a line of missions going all through the coast of California. 13 of them. 23. 23. There's 23 missions. Where in reality, what they were doing was, you know, getting natives, Native Americans. To build them. To build them. And, and then convert them, them to, to Christianity or Catholicism. Yeah. You know? And it was the Spanish. Yeah. And these natives ended up being people who originally were from Mexico. Why? Because California was yeah. from Mexico. And they're still buried on those grounds. Yeah. So there, it's, it's all these information. It's like, how much of it do you... Is real right. because it's all brutal. Yeah, it's all graphic. Mm-hmm. History is graphic. Yeah, you know. But I mean, that yeah. that's our. I always I always tell myself that a history that isn't analogous of its shortcomings isn't history. It's um, it's propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. But uh, Just we trying will to give you patriotic perspective right yeah but you know we will continue this conversation even deeper but before that you know we got to do a little breaking news but this is kind of more like a great news i would say um especially after last week yeah after last week when we were Um, talking about or the whole women's rights thing in Texas. Last week we talked about, yeah, the abortion ban in texas but in mexico we got the opposite yeah. You know, the Supreme Court voted unanimously that pushing women for abortion is unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. So, which is 
such a big deal because, you know, Mexico being such a Catholic. Conservative. Yeah. Conservative. And the fact that, it, you know, um, they're pushing to make it, decriminalize it. Yeah. Which is a big step for Mexico. It really is. And honestly, just the fact that it's ran in a country where, like, religion is huge. Oh, yeah. Super huge. And it's just like a... It just makes Texas look stupid. even stupid. <laughs> it kind of reminds me, you know, like that SpongeBob. With like, who am I? Texas. Texas. And it's like, what was it? How did it go? Something like, oh, stupid. No, I'm Texas. What's the difference? I didn't get it, but now that I'm older, I'm like, yo. That's funny. But yeah, that's uh, breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> um, Texas looking mighty aggressive. Yes, and I mean, we haven't gotten the results yet to the recall election, but... Um, Deadline. Well, yeah. When this, when this episode's out, we will know what happened with the recall election, but yeah. yeah. Right. Who's, who's up? Honestly, I was looking through a booklet, and... It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely... There's one girl, I believe, I don't know if she's like the Green Party, I don't know, but it literally looks... She looks like a porn star... Selfie. No, dude, there's I literally... Saw that. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, and then, like, it tells you, like, their occupation. And it's just, like, so yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Yeah, Caitlyn Jenner is on there, I heard. Well, yeah, she, like, like, she's the one who started... The whole thing. Not started, oh. but she, she was very public about her. But, yeah, a lot of Republicans. Of, like, I want to say... A, like two, well, yes, but the main guy, Elder, whatever his name uh, is, he's out here just absolute nonsense. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of stupid people running for office. Yeah, it's like the Terminator all over again. You know, that's just it. Like, I'm so tired. Yeah, like people with just... critical thinking skills are very stressed out right now and probably don't want to... Uh, <laughs> right. Do such an important job. Yeah, I'm just. I'm but just it was so tired. ridiculous looking at the list. I'm like, what the fuck is this? But <laughs> let me just find the note. Trying to look, it's like you don't even. Where is Caitlyn? Um, I'm looking at the ballot right now. I haven't turned it in. There it is. You have to go like 20 names before you get to Caitlyn. And it's like, if you look at what they're, what they do for a living, it's just, some of them are just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Not really, but it's just like, really? You're, you're, you're going to run we California? We got this, uh, actor, screenwriter, producer. He'd be great for California. Um. Yeah. CEO of what? CEO? I, I'm a CEO of Capedo. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, so it's like at this point, California, and, and I'm an entrepreneur, <laughs> right? And it's like I think people are always like, "Oh my god, yes, we are a blue state," but even then, I want to say no, half, we're I've, like literally half and half. I've literally driven up north to like Carmel and stuff, and it was all Mm-mm. all red. Yeah, and even Orange County, it's just like oh yeah, Orange County is is the, the Florida. Yeah. Of um, California. Huntington <laughs> Beach? Get out of there. Oh my god. It's the worst. But you know what? Go out. Go vote. Go out in numbers. 
um, to anything, to anything yeah. that happens. It, you, just, it doesn't have to just be this. Yeah, and don't listen to people who are always like, oh, it doesn't fucking matter, our vote don't matter. I'm like, it fucking matters. Like, it really does. And I think we've come to learn that el voto latinx matters, too. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, the, the POC vote is the biggest vote. And a lot of... the majority. Yeah, and a lot of us can't because... Many of us have undocumented parents who are uneducated. We sometimes don't even know what's happening. Telemundo, Univision are the worst people to tell us these news that's happening. So they're just the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's tough. But um, let's move on to something lighter. Yeah, let's talk about. Let's move on to what it's like to be a teacher in in um being a Latina teacher. What it. Tell me your experience, because I feel like my listeners, our listeners, have heard me complain, not complain, because I don't complain about being a teacher. Mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting, and I absolutely love what I do, but tell me, tell me your experience. Like, did you have Latino teachers, like, um, growing up, growing up in grade school? No, and not until high school, and of course, it was my Spanish teacher. Now, that doesn't count, though. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So then I guess beside that, no, I didn't have any in elementary school. Thinking of middle school. I think I had one for like a week, but then I got switched out of her class in middle school. So, no, <laughs> I didn't have any Latina teachers. So it's crazy. I didn't think about that before right now. Like right now, um, in your current like position as a teacher, are there more Latina teachers, or are you still like in the minority? Yeah. So crazy thing is, my first year was the COVID year, and I was the only new teacher on campus. Um, I was twenty two. I was a baby. I was super young. Oh my god. Um, there, were, there were other Latinas there. Um, they were like if they were just from a different generation mm-hmm. so I still like I felt that connection in terms of like like yeah we're our ethnicity but I didn't feel like a generational connection right but, I'm trying to count how many and they kept to themselves often so um as for now this year they had on a new a lot of new teachers because um COVID pushed a lot of teachers to retire to retire and um, every every uh, teacher hired this year was a, a person of color, so that was great. Oh, that's so um, cool. Three, three of them being Latina, so that's awesome. That's great. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. That uh, is I know for awesome. me, I did have Latina and Latino teachers growing up. Uh, I went to school in Los Angeles, uh, Venice Elementary, which was a very POC school. Um, my first, my first first Latina was my first grade. My kindergarten was Filipino, but she knew Spanish, so she was the one that helped me learn English. So, yo, shout out to her, Missy Barra, if you're listening. I hope you're still alive. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my, what the heck? She was old, but you know. Uh, my first grade teacher was la- Yeah, my first grade yeah, teacher she was Latina. Like- no, you're good. Uh, second grade he was Filipino. How do you remember that far, girl? I have a good memory. My third grade was the first white teacher I ever had, and I hated her. She did not like me. She had this. 
hate towards me. She was yeah. very old. Like, I don't know. I think she was just, she did not like a lot of, like, I don't know. Maybe she was racist, but she just, I don't know. I always got a bad vibe from her. And yeah. I was a good student. It, was it wasn't because I was mean. Yeah, I don't know about you being a good student, though. I was amazing. <laughs> uh, fourth Four. grade. That was, yeah. Fourth grade, I had a Guatemalan teacher. Her name really? was Miss Morales. Uh, yeah, she was amazing. For Christmas, we did El Burrito Sabanero Cumbia style. Really? It was amazing. And then yeah. fifth grade, okay. Latina. Sixth grade, Miss Perez, Latina. I'm going to write that down. They're already asking us to do Christmas stuff. Like, yeah. For, and I have to do a show in Spanish. Yeah, and then, like, what was so crazy was, like, uh, in that class, it was a lot of Asians. And Latinos, so a lot of the Asians learned El Burrito Sabanero, which was so cool. I still remember we had, like, this big uh, paper that she taught us the lyrics. Because at the time, we didn't have smart boards, so yeah. she literally wrote everything down on we the smart board. Either. Uh, but, yeah, I was very Bless fortunate. Yeah, so I was very fortunate. It wasn't until, again, middle school I started seeing more white teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I was very fortunate for that. So. And that's so cool because it's like the complete opposite of my experience. Mm-hmm. I had like made majority white and then when I was in high school, there were Hispanic teachers, but they weren't my teachers. Mm-hmm. I had one and then he sold me his car when I graduated oh, and bought my first car off of him. That's awesome. And um, shout out to Mr. Mayorga. He listens to the podcast, so hey. Um, that's dope. <laughs> Um, but I, I didn't really have Hispanic teachers. And in, in college, I did. Yeah. That's where, like, the Latino boom happened for me. So, I mean, for me, it kind of, like... I just get, maybe it depends the area that you're at. Yeah. But it was weird because I lived in, like, central Los Angeles around a lot of white people. But apparently that school was mainly POCs for some reason. I don't know about now. And I lived somewhere where it was, like, predominantly Latino. Like, yeah. it was where the avenues were at. So yeah. it's like, we were, Latinos had taken over, you know? Yeah, like, our principal, she was a, like, African-American woman. Like, straight up, I think she was from Africa. Yeah. And then our vice principal, she was, like, a lesbian uh, African-American. Like, yeah. I don't know if she was lesbian, but she just gave off that vibe oh even before God. I knew what that was. But mm-hmm. she, they were so dope. They were so cool. The janitor obviously was Latina. We called her mommy. Yeah, so I was, I was, it was good for me. <laughs> I'll say that, which is great because coming from Guatemala, not knowing any English, but feeling at home, it was nice. So that's great. You, um, what about what grade are you teaching right now? I'm teaching fifth grade right now. Fifth grade. That's one of my um, faves. That's the only, it's the only grade I've ever officially taught um, as a paid professional. Fifth grade. I did do second grade during my student teaching. What do you like more? Um, oh, definitely fifth grade. Really? I, I love them. Kid, everyone hates the older kids. Everyone hates uh, the older kids because they, they don't. They're not willing to build connections with them. Mm-hmm. Huh? I love, okay. I, Fifth I, graders are fun. Uh-huh. I'm a jumping teacher, right? So I jump into every single classroom. So I literally go from two-year-olds all the way to fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And oh, fifth grade is one of my hardest classes. 
And I remember yeah. that was my favorite year. Like if before I started this position, if you would have asked me what grade I wanted to teach, if I were to teach grade school, I would say fifth grade. Yeah. After this, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I just I with the little ones, there's it's just so stale with me. Um, I have a hard time building connections with them. I can crack a joke and I'll go over their heads. Like I'm alone. I feel like I'm alone in the room with them. I'm trying to be um, with two year olds. There's no. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah no. Um. Oh, I forgot. I did teach kinder over the summer. Did um, you? How was that? Yes. It was, um, I only saw them, I think, twice a week, mm-hmm. and then the other days were online. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of organization, structure, and... Uh, and basic skills. Back to back, <laughs> back to back. Like, they, if they, you know, the activities are really short for, for that age. So, yeah. and some of them will finish them really fast, so you have to have something back, back, mm-hmm. back, and back. So, it was, a lot there's of a lot of... A lot of work, and I commend those kindergarten teachers. I don't think I could ever do what they do. Um, I can only imagine how much prep they're they're putting in every day. But fifth grade, um, like I said, I can you know make a joke; they'll understand it. Um, yes, I know what they're referencing in terms of TikTok or memes and things like that. Um, we're the same height. I have a lot of students who have been taller than me too. I'm four foot eleven, um, four foot eleven, but mighty. Um, <laughs> so and funny. so, I think that might help the kids, you know, see me as more personable and mm-hmm. not as like like scary. So no. yeah, I mean, they do get to know me and they know how I work, and so don't, they don't test any waters with me. But I still feel a little more human to them, and probably a lot less scary than a mm. taller adult. Do you um? How much, because I know, like, when it comes to, like, curriculum, are you teaching public or private? I, I teach at a, in a public school district, yeah. Okay. Um, how much of your, like, salsa can you add to your curriculum? Like, how... how... I'm very... Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm very blessed in the sense that, like, my, my school uh, principal gives us a time. And I think the district gives us that autonomy to be able to, um, you know, teach with our own bag of tricks. Um, yes, we have curriculum. No, it isn't mandated, but it's there if we need something to teach from. Mm-hmm. That's great. That is so cool because I teach at a private and um, there is like I have like the worksheets that I have to have them do and the tests are already made and mm-hmm. um and like squeezing in the little things that I want them to learn about the actual, because I'm a Spanish teacher, um, mm-hmm. but I want it to be more than just the language. I want it to be the culture, and I want it to be, you know, no, I played them music. I like today I played them Fonseca, mm-hmm. and I talked about a little bit about where he's from and and what his his song was saying and. You know, and have them listen to the instruments that they don't hear in pop music here. Yeah. You know, they're like, what is that? And I was like, it's an accordion. You know, and... and, and so are you saying that, like, the curriculum is enforced at Yes, the school? curriculum is enforced. And I, like, I have to, like, plan strategically when I can add 
little things, yeah. you know? So because I could not imagine having not, I could not imagine not having that freedom, especially in this uh, era of, you know, universal design for learning where we're trying to differentiate and by differentiate, I mean, teach the, teach to the individual student and provide them with the tools that they need to learn. I could not imagine doing that with just what's given to us in terms of curriculum. Like there has to be things I need to supplement with. I have to find other ways to cater to them and their funds yeah. of knowledge and who they are and where they're from. Yeah. So, but it, it's, yeah. it's, it's tough. And then keep, having keep taking to, those things in there. <laughs> and then having to adjust that to the 12 classes that I teach has, has been a real interesting experience, but, um, I'm glad that I can, like, I've learned to squeeze in the things that I really think are, like, super yeah. important, you know, the simple things The we talk about, like, the love of chocolate and little things like that that they have no idea that right. is everyday life to them. And, and then, I don't know, I just love it. I love being able to sneak it in. All while doing the curriculum that, you know, not too much of a fan of, but it is what it is. Yeah. You know, it's a job, but, um, do you speak Spanish to your kids? It is a shit here. Yeah, I speak Spanish to my kids. (laughs) Um, No problem. Casually, too. Um, not necessarily teaching them, per se. They know Spanish. Um, I... And, you know, I'm not going to tell them to, you know, ask me in English. I understand Spanish. Why can't we speak in Spanish? Um, it's celebrated and it's normalized in our classroom. That's so good. Um, yeah. What about you? Uh, oh, I'm, yeah, you teach. I'm, I'm a Spanish right. teacher. So, but mm-hmm. 90% of my students are Asian. Mm-hmm. 90% of my students are Asian. It's a STEM school. So, it's, 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 it's um... It's a funky dynamic there, but I, all of my Asian kids speak a second language already. Mm. You know, they speak English and Mandarin or English and Korean or English yeah. and something, you know? Right. So they're, they're probably learning that at home. Yeah. So. so they're picking up the Spanish so fast because their brain is used to doing this like, yeah, I don't know. I could so go into dual language learning because I, I studied dual language learning um, but it's it's so weird that in the morning I'm opening their cars to let them out, you know, because we do like drive through style arrival and departure. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Buenos dias, Miss Melody. Como estas? And, and it's my Asian kids. That's awesome. I think you're doing a, a really good service for them then if it's if you're mm-hmm. seeing it work. Yeah. And but, like, uh, especially like when they're younger kids, they pick up new language quicker and um for me in my new job, I also teach at a I teach at a Catholic school. So for me, it's more of like I right now I'm still observing since it's a new job. So I'm still like shadowing other teachers, and I've seen a lot of them are also a lot of Latina teachers, which is great. Um, it's literally run by Latinas, um, which is awesome. And I would shadow the classes, and I'm teaching like pre-K. So for me, I love little kids. But it's like, I guess because it's easier for me because when it comes to academic, like actually teaching academic stuff, not that I can't teach it, but it's more like I like the fun stuff. Today we're going right. to learn our colors. Today we're going to learn how to read a clock. Things like that that are easier for me that I know I'm 100% right on this. And 
okay. Galat, and I was like, I'm, I'm observing these other teachers, and they speak both Spanish and English to the students, and I don't think it's, like, mandatory that they do it, but I think they just, you know, mm-hmm. it's, they're very free to um, adjust whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like, they went over their letters in English and in Spanish, which is cool. And then, again, it's a very mix. You know, you have Latino kids, mixed kids, Asian kids, black kids. So it's a mix of everything. So it's, mm-hmm. it was so cute to see all these POCs learning Spanish, even the little white kids. And they were just like, yeah. and they were really, it it, it just sounded perfect. So it was so great. So I'm like really excited to see who I'm going to get. I still don't know what kids I'm going to get. All I know is that they told me they are pre-K kids. Um, which I have, since I worked with um, kids with autism, um, a lot of the teachers were like, yeah, they sometimes cry a lot, this and that. I'm like, bring it. This is nothing. Like, I can handle it. And I've already had, like, three incidents where I had to break up. They weren't fighting, but they were fighting for a toy. And these are mm-hmm. kids who are usually, uh, they don't have siblings, so mm-hmm. they don't know what sharing is. So I already quickly knew how to assess that using like yeah. my skills. So I was like, yo, I got okay. this. This is nothing. And for me, out of the three, because I teach early preschool, so mm-hmm. two-year-old preschool and pre-K. Yeah. Right? Out of the three, pre-K. Yeah. They can tell you when they need to go potty, you won't have potty accidents. Like, yeah, and that's too, like... like that's, that's enough for me. I'm not about changing diapers. No, yeah, they're, they're very easy. Like, even with me, they're like, can I go potty? I'm like, yeah, for sure. So, like, I'm still new, but they kind of get familiar with me because I've been shadowing the same teacher for the last four days already. Um, So, yeah, they're like, yeah, uh, I need to go potty. I'm like, cool, which is such a big change because when I was working with kids with autism, they were doing potty training, and I hated that. So just to see that all I have to do is make sure they wash their hands and wipe, we're good. And it's just, yeah. they know, and they're very honest. They don't lie. They know, like, ew, yuck, I don't like this food. <laughs> and they'll tell you, and they'll throw it away. Right. Um. So it's so, so yeah. great. And it's a lot of imagination, but I love it. I mean, I also have yeah. done summer camp with, like fifth graders back in the day, my first job. So I also get along with them too, but it's more harder with the girls because they have like this whole mean girl drama that they got going on that I had to get in the middle and be like, you guys, come on. But they're also great. So if I could teach fifth graders, I think I'd be good. As far as the curriculum, I probably would need a lot of help on that. A lot of yeah. it is just like in the life books. skills are fun to teach, of Yeah, but mm-hmm. it's great just to teach, and I think it's one of those things where it's like personally me that was never my game plan. Um, I'm I'm a communications major. I never took anything regarding child education, and it's just like mm-hmm. it just took a shift, and I was like, all right, this is where we're going with. If I have to educate people and be like the Latina teacher all right, cool, I think it's great. So it's just something that's just slowly happening that I never once questioned. Oh, I want to be a teacher when I grow up. I was like, no, I want to be a dancer. You can still do that. Yeah, so I'm like, it's shifting, but I like it so far. So it's really great. Good, I'm glad. Do you... It's manifesting into... Yeah. Do you... 
in your curriculum, right, or your in your school, how much, um, how do I say this? Hispanic education or Latino education? Is there like how much history of like Hispanics and Latinos is there like involved? Not that you add to it. Like how much is already is it just what we know right now? Like everything they just taught us always. Like oh, there was a war in Mexico and and now we have California. <laughs> like or no, um, like I think I thinking about like my social studies curriculum and I think they talk about the Spanish Inquisition in there Mm -hmm. but a lot of our students don't relate to they don't relate to that that's not the Hispanic that they are right they're not European Spanish they're Latin America Hispanic Um, we do have a program called core literature and that's those are our novel studies and one of those novels is Esperanza Rising. Mm-hmm. Um, great story about a, a girl um, forced to come here to the U.S. after tragically losing everything um, in Mexico, coming from a really rich and wealthy ranch, and then to have nothing here in the U.S. and having to start from the bottom and work her way up. Um, so that is, I guess, that, you know, Hispanic representation students get. If I you've never read, read if you've never read Esperanza Rising, go read it now. It's a great book. Love it. I absolutely it love it so cool. much. And reread it multiple times because there are many things in there that 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 won't catch you the first time. Um, I I find something new, especially as I'm educating myself, um, continually educating myself about you know just these social justice issues and equity. I catch something. Uh, different each time because my lens or my paradigm at the time is different Um, but we also have um, our English language arts curriculum it's uh, called Wonders I'm sure tons of teachers can tell you about that curriculum Um, it has uh, different uh, anthologies and stories in their textbooks you guys remember those textbooks that just were for for reading and and writing yeah Yeah, those still exist and um, in in those books there are short stories that usually relate to something mm-hmm. cultural yeah and i believe there are um some latino hispanic is you you look like someone who likes to read is that would you like to say <laughs> no no am, oh my god i i um i'd never say this in my <laughs> education you know my professional setting but outside of teaching, I would probably catch on fire if I walked into a library. I oh, no. Like I'm, oh, my God. I will. Same. I was just going to ask same. for your book recommendations same. out here for same. any of our listeners. But I don't I like still, reading. I mean, I can still give you some. Nah, nah. How much do we believe? I'm just kidding. The only book I right. ever read, and I'm proud of to say, was the book Holes. That they made into a movie in Disney hey. Channel, that's, and Freedom Riders, and that's it. Right. That's it. Well, Freedom Riders is the movie. I know, but I read the book that they made after. Okay. <laughs> so I'll take it, and and The Outsiders. That's it. That's it. Anything that was turned into a movie, I probably read it. Twilight. I'm Except Twilight. No, but yeah, Twilight. I don't like I I don't like reading. Listen, I have a oh, library here. I, 
in my house. But I wanted to see if you have any, like, Latino books that you want to recommend to our readers. Our readers. Our listeners. So, like, for adults or for children? Just just in general. Um, any books that you recommend God. about the Latino experience? <laughs> I, I, um... Like, I feel like I'm put, put so much on the spot with this one. But, uh, my, like, I think also because, like... Because I'm thinking about my re- my registry. Yeah, my that's registry what I was going to say. Like, you, you had a lot of cool books in books. there that I liked was very um, diverse, diverse, which is really great for uh, students to read books that are about them. And these are books that many of us didn't grow up reading. I remember we had the Goosebump books in fifth grade, those... Um, you know that book that they Babysitter turned, Club. Yeah, Babysitter Club. The book of when they're an animal and they turn into a person. That weird book from the nineties. That I don't know. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? And yeah, something. something. Like it was that, it yes. was so yeah, scary. I, I never read it, but it was a scary cover. And I never. Creepy. Yeah, and I what I love is how the books that you include have like Latino representation, mm-hmm. people of color, and just yeah. like kid friendly and just something like that we never got ourselves uh at least right. for me even through high school when it came to history i remember there was only two pages that talked about what the guatemalan mayans and that was the only time i was so happy it was literally two fucking flip pages it was one page back and forth and that's it that's the end of mine i'm like that's yeah. it and then you have like this whole five chapter about chinese history which is like it's great history to learn, but it's like, what the fuck did that have to do with America? And me, right? And me. Um, mm-hmm. there's this there's this great person. Um, I follow on Instagram, and a lot of teachers follow. He's called the Book Wrangler, mm-hmm. and he, like its name, he he wrangles up a lot of books um, that are culturally culturally responsive and representation for students then and now, like. Um, you know, even me as an adult, or like us as adults, we see those books and we get excited because we're like, oh my god, that's, you know, that's for our, our inner child. I never got it. Yeah. Uh, um, he's a really great guy. I recommend every educator or every person follows them if they want to get good books for their, their kids or even just for themselves to see themselves. Yeah, and I think yeah. about that too, like, you know... Uh- this is like for the future i'm like when my kids if i have kids and if they go to a i want them to go to a public school like a good public school i want to say private and if they do go to private i would love it if they're around other pocs because i don't want them to experience that whole minority thing in school uh but that's just me personally i feel like public schools that's how i learn and i think it's great however Hopefully, by when they do go to school, everything has changed to where they're learning the right history, and I can be like, damn, good, I'm happy. And even if they don't, I'm going to correct them at home. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what really happened. Go to your teacher, tell her to shut up, and tell her the real story about Thanksgiving, okay? Fuck what they have to say about that. I My friends always say, like, oh, I'm going to send my kids to you so you can take them on field trips. Like, uh-huh. real field trips, you know? Because I love being, like... Yeah. When I travel, I travel based on, like, a historical time that I want to explore about, you know? Right. So, for instance, I just took a trip to uh, Dallas, Texas. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And um, for me, that was somewhere I want. I I don't necessarily wanted to want to go to Texas. Like it's not right. my my choice of state to like visit. But for me, it was super important to go to the sixth floor museum. Right. You know where where um, JFK was shot. Right. Which you is know still a thing of like who shot him. You know. Well, we can get into that another day. But. But for me, that was it. Like, that's my driving point. So I was like, I went to Dallas specifically to go to the school book depository. You know? Mm -hmm. Then I stood there and I saw and I watched and you can see the X on the floor and you see the window and you, like, the history behind that is what drives me. And so that's, that's what I do when I travel. I went to Seattle and there's a city underneath Seattle. You know? Yeah. And people go to Seattle and they go just to the Space Needle and da-da-da. But they don't really go and do the historical stuff. There's a whole city under Seattle. You know? Mm -hmm. And and for me, that's that's... That's my driving point when yeah. I do anything. So yeah. my friends are like, "I, you're gonna do, you're gonna be the field trip mom, like museums mm-hmm. and history, and like teach them the yeah. real stuff." Yeah. Jumping back a little bit to you guys were talking about public schools and private schools, mm-hmm. and um, there's charter schools too. Um, personally, I have a little resentment towards um, private and charter schools, and I went to a charter school for high school and graduated mm-hmm. from there, so. This is a tough thing to say, but I feel like those, you know, private and charter schools are a form of systemic segregation mm-hmm. because who gets to go to those schools? Those of higher so, socioeconomic status. Status. Um, yeah. People with money or, you know, and, uh, you know, if, if they're going to get a better education there and then they're going to get the better positions, better jobs, better experiences. They're going to be in the lead always. Yeah, it is. It is funky. I work at a private school now, and it's and and you can tell the entitlement. You can tell, mm-hmm. you know, where it's at. You know, and and even and even if there are POC at those private and um, yeah charter schools, it's as though they're there to be the model minority. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I. It's so frustrating. The whole school system is honestly infuriating. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many like when when I think back to like my English classes, you know, we everybody read Romeo and Juliet. Nope, I didn't. No, <laughs> we we just read the we just the only thing we read was. Uh, the Outsider, The Great Gatsby. Everybody reads The Great Gatsby. And To Kill a Mockingbird. To Kill a Mockingbird. We didn't really read it. Hey, did you read Don Quixote? No. I, I read... did that in Spanish. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, Spanish. I did it in English. And Animal oh, Farm. Cool. Animal Farm? Animal Farm. I remember that. So that Farmville? I did that in a history class. Yeah. yeah. He's playing Farmville out there. Yeah. <laughs> and then we just saw the movie. It was fun. So, yeah, I, I never read Romeo and Juliet. Uh, you're not missing much. I know. So, Melody, I'm not sure what your, you know, your colleagues, uh, you know, and your school's demographics look like in terms of their staff. Oh, but, where uh, half of us are Hispanic, Latinas. Where half of us are Latinas. The other, uh, like, like 45, 
If, That's a lot of teachers. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah, we're 26, 27 teachers. Um, there's only like two white people. <laughs> like that's what it is, and there, and one of them is the head of school, and the other I think is just uh, a teacher, like a first yeah. grade. But uh, we're all people of color, all of us, every single one of us. Good. But so then, my next question is, and it may not relate to you, but have you experienced um, any microaggressions from uh, any of your white colleagues or just others who aren't Hispanic? You know, when I was starting to organize, when I was starting to organize my curriculum, um, it was kind of like a mess. The what they gave me was a mess, so I had to organize by like month and grade, and it was just a lot. And I felt mm-hmm. like they were like, "It's just Spanish." I felt like that energy, like it's just Spanish, and I was like, "No, it's like more." You than- weren't for like it's like you weren't for curriculum. Yeah, I was right? like, it's just like, like why? Why are you struggling so hard? And it did feel like that for a moment. Um, mm. Now, I feel like they've watched me teach, so they get it. You know, um, I'm mm. also a little the OCD horse. when it comes to organizing myself. So. Um, mm-hmm. Now that I'm teaching, and like, for instance, Dia de los Muertos is coming up, but they're going to do a Halloween celebration. I was like, we can't do a Halloween celebration if we don't have un altar de muertos up. Yeah. You know, and so I'm having to fight for these, these, these traditions. You know, I was like, if you're going to have a whole Spanish program here, you should include, you know. So include El Dia de los Muertos, include Spanish during the Christmas performance, you know, little things like that. So maybe, maybe not like microaggressions, but I do feel like I'm having to fight a little, right? No, you're good. I think just in general, even just us, like our experience being in school as Latinas, I think also like I remember and even in high school, that's when... Uh, you saw the Spanish teachers were the one organizing Dia de los Muertos, these events, after school events. And we went to like a 95% Latino school. So it was a big event. Even Christmas, we had, there was also a lot of Catholics. So they did the, um, you know, that event, what's it called? When, the showcase, the Christmas showcase. Or... Yeah, but like the the whole like Jesus thing. Posadas. The posadas. And then they would have like, event to raise money and it was a big thing and so I think I was fortunate enough to be in that because I felt like if I would have gone to an all-white school I probably would not have been exposed to all that and and I think also like a lot of our parents at least for me coming from Guatemala for them it's like go to school and that's cool and but they don't they don't know what they're teaching us to them it's like yeah America and it's like but it's not real that's not what they're really teaching us and it didn't take me until college to really realize they were teaching us bullshit as far as like history mm-hmm. let me i have a question for right. you carla when did yeah. you like come to terms or maybe not come to terms but like identify as latina or latinx right like yeah. from for me right it came in high school when I was, like, proud to speak Spanish, proud to say I'm Mexican. Like, 
when I realized that this was something I could be proud to be, you mm-hmm. know, and that it was a position that I was very lucky to be in. Um, so I don't know if it makes sense, but like, when oh, yeah. do you? I, I know. Well, I think I would say, um, when when I was nine, because that was the first time I went to Honduras, and um. I saw where my family came from. I knew that that was a Hispanic country. I knew that that was a Latin American country. Um, and in terms of how that applied to me is that I was, um, you know, Ureña. And I guess with that came Latinidad and, and Hispanic. That's I so can't cool. really remember the first time I ever called myself that. But mm. I think when I got to experience it, you know, physically, is when it really clicked with me. My mm. parents had always told me, and had always heard when my older siblings went, and I longed for it, but I didn't truly know until I, I went there. That's so cool. That's so little. That's so little. Yeah, I think for me, again, going back to, like, public school, because I was already surrounded by so many Latinos, I think I already knew I was Latina, but I didn't know the actual label. I never called myself that because I was already surrounded right. by my own. Like, my teachers were Latina, so we were like, it, yeah. it felt like at home. El Burrito Sabanero, dude, I know right. that song. You just, you just knew you weren't white. Yeah, right? I just you knew, knew I wasn't white. white. And the school I went to didn't have white white people. And the whitest girl there was Latina. And she, I just remember, I was like, girl, I can see your veins through your skin. I just remember that about her. But she was Latina, too. And it was one of yeah. those things that it wasn't, honestly, I think music, reggaeton, really made me realize what it was to be Latina. When Evie Queen came out and all these reggaetoneros were coming out, when reggaeton was popping back in, like, when it started really hitting in the early 2000s, I was like, oh, my God, reggaeton Latino. Like, this is what it is to be Latino. And that's when I really... Reggaeton made me realize, like, holy shit, like, yeah, like I, I am feel, I feel, I feel I was Latina, like, I identified as Latina at home sooner than I did in public. hmm You know? Because now it's, like, all out there. Like, I yeah. speak Spanish, I do this, I, yeah. I advocate, I this and that, you know? And it's all out there, and everybody, like, we're doing this podcast. It's called Que Pedo. We have a Spanish episode every yeah. fourth episode. Like, we're out there. But I wasn't like that. In, yeah. in high school up until maybe like 11th grade yeah you know I, I think i just always knew but it wasn't until i moved to the city i'm from which has like 90 percent mexican-americans where i was identifying more as oh i'm guatemalan i'm guatemalan because i was getting lost in the cracks of everyone was like oh well you're mexican you're mexican so instead of saying no i'm latina mm. i had to be like no i'm guatemalan and Did it just became that? a thing <laughs> I think there was a time, too, when I remember a lot of my uh, Mexican classmates were really into saying, like, no, I'm not Hispanic, I'm not Latino, I'm just straight up Mexican kind of thing. Yeah, or they were like, like Chochicana, I'm like, all right, cool. Right, that, or like, but I'm like, but then how does that make a relationship with between you and I? Because we're, we both share the same language and many of the same, you know, cultures and customs. Right. And... Then it, it was just thrown on us that, well, you're Mexican too. And I'm like, but I'm not. And I, I'm i not going to just because you see me as that. Yeah. Right. You know, I have, I have my own, We, you know, yes, we have our similarities, but we also have our own, you know, differences. And I love and I respect our differences. And, you know, why can't we 
embrace our individuality and also our our connections at the same time. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to school of how the Latino history is not taught. Like, yeah, we learn about a little bit, even with the Mexican side, we barely even learn about that. Even in Mexican-American, the zoot suits. I didn't know about zoot suits until I got to college when... I was in my musical theater class, and we had to go watch Zoot Suits, yeah. like the musical, which was, at the time, it was playing in right. L.A., and then we saw the movie, and that's when I came familiar with Zoot Suits and all that stuff, and if you don't know what right. that is, uh, it's pretty much these suits that Mexican-Americans yeah. wore, and they were criminalized because at the time of World War II, they were wearing all this fabric that was seen unpatriotic because it was people that were going to war that needed that fabric as if they were actually gonna take the fabric of Latinos making them but even then like they were criminalized by this it was like a whole thing that turned into a musical and a movie Um, but yeah I didn't know this until college and it's like even a little bit of like Central American history that we don't learn about how Ronald Reagan is responsible for giving Guatemalan army uh, training, military training, and guns to commit genocide on indigenous people. They don't teach right. these things. Right. And again, these are things or that even, I just learned. And I mean, we learn about the Panama Con- Canal, but okay, like it doesn't even really focus on people from Panama. It's just what benefited from American. No. And at the end of the day, almost all educational history that we're learning is how we benefit from it. Right. Not what they did to get it. But, I don't know, that's just my rant. Maybe I should have been a history teacher. I would have changed the whole fucking thing. (laughs) A lot of parents would not like me. But I feel like kids would. You never know, you still can be. I see you as the teacher selling maruchans, though. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... Yeah, it's just like a whole thing with education and it's like it's great to see a lot of Latinos and just us three like Latinas actually being in the educational field where it's like we're seeing more and more Latinos in those fields because I think we realized that they didn't teach us shit so we're going to have to be the ones to do it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Even if it's a pre, even if it's just a pre-K kid teaching them one to ten in Spanish, I'm okay with that. Could they get to go home knowing Spanish now? Right. Now they know three languages or two or however, and it's just like little things like that. Or even then, if they don't take away from anything that I learned, they will hopefully remember. Like even in pictures or even their parents, like yeah, I had a Latina teacher. They get used to POC teachers, not just scary, old, entitled white teachers. Not all, but I've had a few like that that were scary. They scared me. I was scared of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I still have teachers like that scare me. They scare me. As colleagues now. Yeah. All right. Anything else we want to say on this topic before we close out this episode? Yes. (laughs) raise your hand Carla there you go your turn yeah okay um since we're kind of we're kind of wrapping things up in the sense of how we are that representation now as Latinas um for our children of color um I'd like to close with the fact that they're statistically speaking um uh 
black and brown students and just other children of color are 80% more likely to succeed and be happy and enjoy their education if they're being represented and taught by someone that looks like them. And I think that's how we combat uh, white supremacy every day seamlessly. Yeah, and it's so beautiful. beautiful because it's like, even again, they may not, from the littlest kindergarten, pre-K to 12th grader, we somehow made an impact. And they'll look back in the yearbooks and be like, damn, no wonder I liked her. She's Latina or this and that. And then they'll get used to that to the point that maybe in the future they're going to be like, you know how like in our cases, it's like how many how many Latino teachers did you maybe have? It's going to turn around and be like, how many white teachers did you have? One. And it's yeah. going to change. Because, yeah. Yeah. I because my fifth good. graders now will mm-hmm. have gone through six seven hispanic teachers before they get to their white teacher right which is really great because growing up a lot of us didn't get that opportunity i fortunately did but it's not the same for everyone (coughs) especially imagine those kids who were in eld i was one of those kids that would put in the program and guess who was teaching it Uh a white person and it's like you're teaching undocumented kids kids who don't know English how to speak English and I remember being in those classes and just seeing the frustration in the teacher's face as if like she was just done and was just frustrated that we couldn't get the concept of English and it I was in those classes even though I didn't really need it um but you know how you check Mm -hmm. off or are you uh you know I guess like in the documents I guess my parents checked off that I speak Spanish so they automatically mm-hmm. put me in those classes. And I I remember they would bully the fuck out of us. They would be like, oh my god, you guys don't know English. Fucking beaners and Very, this and that. It's, it's aggressive. It's white aggression. There. Right. And we, and we started to hate each other. And I remember all the Latino boys, like, in Spanish, they were cussing at each other. Because they were like, oh, I know more English than you. And it just we turn against each other and it was just a whole thing and I hated going to ELD because I knew how embarrassing it was but now I look back and I'm like man fuck that like it's just uh, I don't know that's just my experience <laughs> now yeah, you're preaching to the choir sure yeah because I also didn't have a good experience coming from Mexico uh, only knowing Spanish coming into the U.S. into a, a speaking English mm-hmm. only classroom with an Asian teacher, like you know, we can talk about this in another episode. Um, discrimination, you know, yeah. um, but you know, I'd love to be there for that conversation. I think <laughs> I have a lot of experiences now, even as an adult, yeah, um, with discrimination amongst my colleagues. Yeah. For sure. Oh, I have a lot. <laughs> Alrighty. Well. But, uh, that was incredible. Yeah. That was absolutely incredible. Thank you so Carla, much thank for you so having much. me. That this is was insane. great. I thank you so much for everything you had to say and all the input that you gave to us. And uh, I hope our listeners really take that in and, and, and educate themselves a little more. And, um, yeah. and for those who, yeah. you know, in the future have kids think about where you're gonna put your kids in education especially if they're mm-hmm. people of color like do you want them yeah i understand that many of us want to succeed oh he went to a private school oh, which is great but at the same time it's like 
Do you want to put them in a position where they're the only minority there and being picked on? Yeah. Or have them feel good in my, like in me, who was surrounded by Latino teachers, who was surrounded by Latino kids, and it just felt like home. Despite whatever anyone said about, ew, public school, blah, 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 like cheap-ass books from the 80s, like, fuck that. <laughs> but, like, all the deaths were all tagged up, but it was a fun experience, and that's what I remember the most. As a kindergarten, like, that's an impact. So, just think about that for future parents, and, yeah, if you want to become a teacher, do it. Yeah, it's, I, I would recommend everyone to become a teacher even if especially because be, the older generation is dying out so they are, and they're, they're, they're <laughs> and it's like their style of teaching is so outdated yeah so they can't they they cannot teach without technology now yeah so like they don't have that projector overhead light bulb thing like it no we still have that in no. my school we no. still use it no Smart board. They need to retire on that. <laughs> like, yeah. what are the, how are they meeting 21st century standards without <laughs> right. technology? Alrighty. Well, that was, like I said, incredible. Thank you so much, Carla. I don't, are you going to stick around with us for till the yes. end? All right. So, for. Spe- I, I know you I hate, hate it. Call from Smarty Mom. So. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. um, just, we're almost done. Uh, to end the episode, or, you know, um, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. Whether we like it or not, it is Hispanic Heritage Month. So, um, Latino. Latino Heritage Month. Latino. But I did want to talk about uh, a couple writers that, you know, we were mentioning books. And so I have four books in front of me right now that I think y'all should go read. Um, first one, Sandra Cisneros. Anything she writes, read it. Sandra Cisneros. Um, the Little House on Mango Street. Personally, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, easy read, not that thick. See, that it. is my standard read. Yeah, this one is good. Look, and the words are like big. If there's pictures, even better. No, no pictures. And then we have Isabel Allende. I actually have like seven of her books, and she writes them in both English and Spanish. So um, this one is called uh, La Casa de los Espíritus. I don't know what it's called in English because I've only read it in Spanish. Mm-hmm. But I do know that like, that's so good. Isabel Allende, beautiful, beautiful. Her father, um, it, it was, you know, she's writing here um, from the U.S. because her father had to escape from Mexico because he he was, like, a politician and um, super incredible. She actually interviewed um, Obama. Yeah. And she told him, oh, my God, you're so hot. Uh, it was so funny. She that, told him that? Yeah. That, like, Michelle, when he first ran? That. That. <laughs> oh and God. then I have this book that was recommended to me by a friend of mine. It's called Across a Hundred Mountains. Right? Um, it talks about Texas, right? And the the people, the Mexicans in Texas. Um, it is it is a fiction. It's by Reina Grande, but I 100% recommend it across a hundred mountains. Um, it's a family gets separated. So yeah. I'm not going to give much. And then I actually read this book in college. It was one of my college books and it talks about the femicides of Juarez and, and Chihuahua and 
uh, here up in the con- in the frontera, and it's literally called yeah. Making a Killing, Femicide Free Trade and La Frontera. It is by Alicia Gaspar del Alba and Georgia Guzman. Uh, this book is a heavy read mm-hmm. because we're talking about like women being killed. It talks about specific yeah. stories about women being killed. Pictures. It is a very heavy read, but it's one of those that like opened my eyes to more than just uh, Latino Latinx issues, but like women issues as well. So do they have um, a documentary? I would love to see the documentary. I, they probably do. I they probably do, but it was a book I rented from my text from my uh, university, and I never gave it back because of how As you should how much well they charged me for it afterwards wow. you know because my <laughs> account was there um but i never gave it back of how much i was like i'm, I'm keeping this book so yeah. it's called making a killing and those are the four books i recommend you guys have any books no. oh i have one more i have a children's book <laughs> the boy me. who touched the stars um that one is from the astronauts Mm-hmm. who the Latino astronaut, Jose Hernandez, um, oh, cool. he wrote a book called El Niño Que Tocó Las Estrellas, The Boy Who Touched the Stars, both in English and Spanish. And yeah, it's just a story mm. about him, about how he finally got to touch the stars. Um, I love this man so much. He was my idol for the longest. And so anything that he does, I like praise because, you know, astronauts and Latinos. Is he still alive? Yes! His daughter's on TikTok! Oh. Yeah, his daughter's like twenty two, and he like joins her on TikTok. Oh, actually, I think I saw one. I, I think actually, I think she came He's on my He's the one with the bigote. He's the one with the bigote. Yeah, because I think they were pancita. like, I think they were like, uh, it was like this trend about like their parents, like back then. And then yes. she's like, my dad's an astronaut. Yeah, her dad is an astronaut, and I hate her for it. And they live here in LA, <laughs> and and I hate her for it. Envy <laughs> would probably be the better word. How much do they but, get paid? All right, here we go. Carla needs to head out. So let's go ahead and say goodbye to Carla. Thank you so, so, so much for joining us. We appreciate you. We will have you back 100% for sure. Okay. Join I'd us whenever that. you want. Whenever. The pleasure is mine, truly. Have oh a nice night. Good night. Adios. Bye. I'll take you later. Bye. I will. Bye. Oh my god, she was incredible and she's I, so sweet. I when I met so her sweet. this weekend this last weekend, uh, she was like so sweet. The first thing she's like, I thought you were taller. I'm like, no. Oh my god. Everybody thinks you're taller, but no, I'm you're not. short. You're I'm short. short. It's just the angle of how I take my videos. <laughs> I guess I look tall. All right. Um, but yeah, she's awesome. I she's love her. So ass. good. All right, well, let me go ahead and talk about our En La Luz this week. And it's a small business called Ay Mujer. And we know that's what we say a lot in our um, culture. Ay Mujer. Well, this Ay Mujer is a company that does papel picado, dude. You know what that is? The The little flags. They do custom papel picado for weddings and other events. Um, it's so beautiful. They can do your name. They do different colors. They do different themes. You go in there, you select your design, and they do it for you. Um, I'm ahead. Can it all be done through online? Or? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not sure if they have, like, a store, store, uh-huh. but okay. online is how, um, I've seen their products get sent. Okay. 
Um, especially because you have to fill out a format with like your color right. and your size and how many flags and, you and your design. Need to see the preview of it. Mm-hmm. But there is a contact information there for anyone who wants to like talk directly to someone. But we will post pictures and their links up on our page, like we always do for our En La Luz. Um, next week is Spanish. Yeah. Oh my God. It's coming up, guys. Join us for our Spanish episode next week where we recap all we have talked about these last three weeks. Um, Alrighty, everyone. Well, I think that was it for us. Mads, anything else? Nothing at all, but just stay tuned for next week and the upcoming guests to come. I know. We have some really great people lined up, so, so. be ready, y'all. Be ready. Alrighty, everyone. Well, that is it. My name is Mel. And I'm Matt. And we'll see you next, next time. Next week. Adios. Bye.